Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth or TWIP is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com and Audible dot com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash TWIP. And Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial and 10% off your new account, go to Squarespace.com forward slash TWIP. This Week in Photo is also supported by the TWIP podcast app for the iPhone and iPod Touch. It's available on iTunes. For more information, head over to ThisWeekInPhoto.com. Adobe releases Photoshop Express for iPad. Canon targets event photographers and Nikon updates its pocket-sized projectors. It's Tuesday, August 17th, 2010, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to TWIP, your weekly source of photographic inspiration. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson, and joining me today on the show are Mr. Alex Lindsay and Miss Nicole Young. Hey, guys. Hey. Hi. All right, we got a, we got a jam-packed show today, uh, but before we kick it off into the, the show proper, Nicole, I had a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I get emails from time to time from iStock, and I know you're an iStock contributor, and I noticed... There's we heard that we, there's Nicole, a we lot of changes. Well, oh, oh. well, I heard you yeah. were a senior Breaking EP news. over there. <laughs> Freaking news. Nicole <laughs> Young acquires iStock. <laughs> no, not true. I only wish. <laughs> no, I noticed they did some changes over there. Um, yeah. It look, looks really, really good. What's, uh, what's, what's behind that? Well, they basically, and I just for the record, I I'm just a contributor. I don't really have anything to do with the internal workings of iStock, so they didn't pay me to say anything. You mean aside from uh, owning the company? Yeah, right. <laughs> so they did a website redesign. They call it uh, F5. As F5, as we all know, refreshes a web page on from your keyboard. You click F5, it re- refreshes the web page. So it's kind of like a thing with iStock. If there's something new coming, we call it F5, F5, F5. And so the new big website is the big F5 of, I guess, the, the month. And uh, they just did some kind of rearranging of things, moved things around, made the search a little bit better, easier for the customer, which is always the number one priority. And, I mean, there's there's still some things that they're kind of tweaking, uh, probably things that most people aren't going to notice because from a contributor side, we see, we see everything. Yeah. But uh, they did a really good job. I think it looks really sleek and really fresh and really modern. And uh, I'm personally pretty pleased with the whole design. So go check it out if you haven't been there in a while or if you've never been there. Go to iStockphoto.com. Now, yeah, I'm, on the, I'm, the, I'm on the other side of Nicole. See, Nicole puts all the images in, and I pull all the images out. <laughs> You're and, the customer. Uh, I'm the Yay! customer. <laughs> I buy a lot of stuff on iStock. I mean, I, I generally keep like a, an account there of like two or 300 points, and I just kind of <laughs> too low. I put some more in because and, and, we use it all the time for, for our, um, a lot of our design work. And our corporate work. I mean, we just—it's just like the go-to place to go. And and uh, uh, I think the new design is great. Yeah, awesome. I do too. It's really cool. And I would, you know, I was. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of different from both of you guys. I I don't contribute to iStock, although I have an account um, that much, and I have some stuff up there. But I'm not like you, Nicole. You're like putting up st- putting up stuff all the time, and. 
Alex, I purchase things from time to time, but not at a fever pace like you do. But you know what I do do there that might be of interest to the to the TWIP community? There's a lot of inspiration there. I mean, because there's a lot of amazing curated photography just sitting up there on on iStock. So if you ever just want to go see what other people are doing and get ideas and just be inspired by some of the crazy work that photographers like Nicole are doing, just head over there and just, you know, kick back with a coffee and click through and look at some of the stuff that people are posting. It's insane. You know, we use it a lot for research. You know, just when we're trying to, like, I've used it a lot when I'm trying to think about a digital set. We actually have whole characters in some of our animations that are just based on stuff we found on iStock. Mm-hmm. Don't tell them that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. well, yeah, yeah, keep it to yourself. never put that on the show. <laughs> We're going to cut that out, aren't we? <laughs> no. I will say, if, if you do want to see some of the really cool stuff, go to the Veta collection. Uh, it's That's kind of like the top-of-the-line iStock stuff. It's pricier for the customer, but it's also like really awesome, awesome Veta, stuff. like V-E-T-T-A? Yeah, I think it's like Italian for... I really don't know what it means, but it's... Uh, it's Italian it's for like, very good. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the cool. I mean, every, there's a lot of other great stuff on there, too, but that's kind of like the top of the line. Very, it's a smaller collection. It's kind of like the best of the best. So Very cool. All right. Uh, iStockphoto.com. All right. Um, Alex, who's our, who's our sponsor? We are sponsored today by Squarespace. And, of course, um, everybody knows I love Squarespace. Uh, you know, the thing is, I was, t- I was just talking about this on Mac Break. We were, I was talking to a, a web developer who is, you know, moving on. He's going to figure out what he wants to do next. He's like, you know, I'm not going to do with these web pages anymore because people can just do them on stuff like, and guess what he said? Squarespace. Squarespace. Like when people ask him, like, I got a little business and I want to put something together. I want to put together my blog or I want to do it. And he just goes, oh, just go to Squarespace. Don't, don't hire someone to do this. Just put it together because not only are you going to be able to put it together the way you want to put it together, but you can edit it, change it. It's all WYSIWYG. And it's all going to be served up for you. So you're not trying to figure out where you're putting your stuff on a server. Uh, you don't have to worry about if a million people hit your server. You don't have to worry about it going under. Uh, you know, it's all in the cloud. Uh, you can import stuff from WordPress, Blogger, Movable Type, TypePad, all those. You can set up forums and photo galleries and form builders. And, you know, uh, and, you know there's a, it's a cloud architecture. All the stuff is just drag and drop Ajax. And so it's just really a great place to, uh, you know, if you're a photographer and you're trying to figure out where to throw some galleries up or where to put mm-hmm. your space, you know, you're not... You're not a web designer. You don't know anything about HTML. You just want to figure out where am I going to put my plot of land on the web so that people know where I am. This is a great place to start. It's a great place to check it out, and it doesn't cost you anything. You can go for free trial at squarespace.com slash twip. That's squarespace.com slash TWIP. You can just get you can just go up there and give it a shot and uh, you know throw something together. You don't have to pay anything. Uh, if you like it, then you can pay for it and have your own URL and everything else. I think my brother has – I think he's just kind of – constantly just using it with the the, the trial version <laughs> and um which works just fine so uh definitely check it out if you don't you know the best way the you know if the best way is is to actually play with it and you can do that with squarespace.com slash twip that's t-w-i-p all right cool all right let's get some news in here first up is adobe um who's just released photoshop express or they re-released it right uh photoshop express for the ipad and the iphone and uh, Nicole, have you played with this a bit yet? Yeah, I I have it, and it's okay. It's I do have to say I'm glad it's free <laughs> because <laughs> it's. I mean, okay, if you compare it to any of the other, you know, like Camera Plus or Best Camera or any of those really cool apps, 
it's like meh, you know, it's not yeah. really, it doesn't really do anything crazy. You know, if you want to do real basic, basic, basic editing or do things like add a rainbow effect to your photo with, I don't think anyone ever uses that, but you can do like exposure and contrast. And, um, but I think the one thing that's really, really missing is white balance. So yeah. it's okay. It's, it'll be good if I ever take a photo and I have it on my iPad and I want to blog it, you know, and it's just like a real quick, I'm, I'm out, I'm away from home and I need to do something like that. But I think that they could improve it. Yeah, for me, I have a love-hate relationship with this. I love Adobe, and you know they make some stellar applications. But I, when I first saw what they were doing with the with these i apps, um, especially you know this like the Photoshop Express one, um, it kind of what what was in my mind was sort of there's three classes. There's more than three, but three big classes of iPhone photography applications. They're the ones that are like your, you know, to use a, an artist's analogy, they're the ones that are like your colored pencils that you sharpen to a fine tip and you can do some really cool art with them. And then there are the crayons that you can do, you know, some interesting things, but not a whole lot. And then there are the big fat crayons. Remember those? <laughs> So this one is kind of like a big fat crayon to me, yes. you know. So, <laughs> I, don't think being, I don't think you're being fair. Why not? <laughs> Go ahead. Tell me why. Or Adobe. So, so the here's the thing. I, I had this. Um, I don't think you'll mind if I say I, I had this conversation um, about Photoshop, you know, a long time ago with John Knoll, who is you know wrote it, <laughs> wrote, mm-hmm. wrote you know, yeah. the first version of it, mm-hmm. and you know the, the fact that it's hard for people to learn and, and everything else, and the thing that he pointed out that I just thought, and I might have said this on an, on an earlier show, but he just really pointed out that he goes, you know, when we were learning Photoshop, it was, a, you know, when Photoshop 1 came out, it didn't do all, you know, it did more than what this Express version does, but not a lot more. You know, it started off as a conversion tool, you know, and so, and so it did, you know, and now you crop and you can do a couple more things, you start doing filters, mm-hmm. and it started building up from there. And the thing is, it's very, it was very easy for uh, us to learn. You know, I, I don't know when you guys started. I started using Photoshop 2, you yeah, know, which was same the here. first. Yeah, so, no layers, no channels, yeah. Right, yeah. Remember, yeah. I remember like, you know, when Photoshop 3 came out, it was like, oh, my gosh, you could put layers on it. And I remember talking to people using Photoshop going, I don't know why you'd ever want to do that. You know, you just save out multiple versions with alpha channels. Yeah. It'll work just fine. Exactly. You know, exactly. And, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, layers, layers, schmear, you know. And so, um, and even with me, you know, uh, like active layers, you know, when they put them on, you know, levels and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. It took me like a year before I, I, I even started using that. And so, so the thing is, is that it's, it is um, – you know, but it, but for all of us, this grew slowly. It was simple when we started. It wasn't that hard to learn. And then they just kept on adding a couple more things at a time. Mm-hmm. And I think that the real opportunity here is number one is I think that this is Adobe putting their their toe in the water. You know, they they have they have to figure out how to make how to work with the iPad. And rather than spending six years trying to you know or six or six more months or 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 another year trying to integrate it, they're going to throw it out there and see how people use it and organically build yeah. an entirely new application. The other thing. Is, is I think it's a lot easier for people if, if Adobe starts to keep on adding more and more features. You know, you're looking at a, a at a progression of an entirely new Photoshop with new code that is reacting to the new users because the old users were and still are to some degree print people and photo people and people who drive the development of Photoshop in directions that a lot of us don't want it to go in. Yeah, you I know, mean, you know, I would I would look at it. You know, I mean, I, I totally agree with that, but. At the same time, I think it's a branding issue because when I when I see the brand Photoshop, it it's near and dear to my heart as somebody that is a creative. And when I hear Photoshop, I think power. You know, this is something that's going to be able to let me do some some magical things. Um, but then when I I understand at Adobe, they're probably trying to say, okay, let's leverage this Photoshop brand, put it on this other thing, and launch it, even though it's completely 
you know, it doesn't do what Photoshop does, but people will understand that it's a photo app from Adobe and maybe they'll, they'll download it. Um, I think probably, you know, and I'm, you know, armchair quarterback here, but I think maybe it would have been better to even lose the Photoshop brand from this particular application and just put Adobe, whatever, like Adobe's, you know, picture editor or something like that on there, then you're not being held to the standard of the whole Photoshop suite, including Express and Elements and all that. You know, you're not being held to everything that those things can do. Right. You're you're in a different genre and you still have the benefit of being an Adobe application. Yeah, know? I agree with you 100 percent on that, uh, Frederick, because the I see Photoshop and I have a I have a, I have an idea of what I want to be able to do. And obviously, obviously it's not going to go to the extent that Photoshop can because I'm assuming that there are limitations with processing with the iPad. But I guess I was expecting more, you know, when, when you go and you use the the camera apps that, you know, on your iPhone that do the kind of cool stuff, I use those all the time. And I wouldn't say they're for amateurs, but they're simple. You push a button, it makes a really cool effect. And I was kind of hoping that I could do my own, have more control over the image and not have it be like an amateur app application for my iPad, which yeah. I think they kind of dumbed it down. And I mean, if they ever created like a more advanced version and, and charged a couple bucks for it, I'd probably be the first one to buy it and, and hopefully enjoy using it. Yeah. Throw some of those, so. throw some of those, those crazy algorithms they have in there and maybe even acquire Photogene, you know, and just make that Photoshop. Well, I, think the you know? is, I think this, this, the problem with that is, um, is that you, when you when you acquire something like yeah you, you want to get you want to go all the way up there but the problem is is that when you acquire something now you're buying into old code different code you know and this and you turn it you turn it into a franken you know uh, you know this uh, franken code you know mm-hmm. where you're you're yeah. constantly clumping these things together I think I'm gonna guess that there are two or three passionate programmers at Adobe working on this this is not an army it may be one guy who's working on it. Um, that that is putting this together and organically feeling out, you know, what are people going to use this for? And and I think that the the, the best thing about this and, and the thing that I just applaud Adobe for is I think that you had to call it Photoshop if it's photo editing because that's their market. You know, but I think that at the same time, I think that it, it is important for them to throw it out there, let people bang on it, see what people are asking for, and then add those things. But add them organically and add them inside of the new code base. Don't try to rush it. There's no rush. There's no money in it for them right now. You know, you know they, they make plenty of money with Photoshop. You know, and so they don't – this is more of a – like we've seen the Autodesk do the same thing. When you look at their fluid effects, which are just awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, their fluid effects, uh, some of the other stuff, that they, the Sketchpad. They made more money. I, I believe they made more money with Sketchbook than they made in, on the desktop versions. Yeah. You know, and so, but they, but this is Autodesk dipping their toe into a new market and just seeing how things are going to, you know, let's see what people are interested in. And I think that, I think we're going to see a lot more in this area. I'm glad that Adobe's not getting caught up in the whole flash, you know, upset. Oh, yeah, me too. And, and saying, you know, we're not going to do anything because, you know, we don't, whatever. Yeah, you know, so I'm I, gonna, so I think yeah cut off their nose despite the face kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very happy about that too. This is, I, this is some definite high road taking right here. Yeah. I, I would like to add, Adobe, if you're listening, can you make a Lightroom version for the iPad? Amen. That would just be awesome. <laughs> I Twittered that yesterday. I and saw I had, that. Like, yeah. 50 people being like, yes, that would be so cool. That would be so cool. Doesn't it like, seem like I'm a like, natural? It totally seems like a natural. It does. Because yeah. you can throw raw files in there. just be nice to go through and just like make my picks. You know, be, it doesn't have to be full editing, but yeah. I just wanted to add that. So yeah. if you're listening. No, I, you I totally agree. <laughs> you know, and in Lightroom, you know how you can do the, the managed service where you, you know, specify whether it's Flickr or your hard drive or whatever, uh, I would love to be able to do that with my iPad and just say, okay, my iPad is just another device that needs to remain in sync with this particular album and then blah, blah, blah. Anyway, yeah, totally agree. 
All right. Uh, next up in the news, Canon has introduced a digital SLR for studio and event photography. Basically, it's a EOS 7D. It's a studio version of that that has, if I'm reading this right, it has presets that allow you to re- quickly lock the camera the camera controls for specific studio environments. So you could say, you know, okay, this is the way I always shoot portraits. So we are now in portrait mode. Click and all the photos are exactly the same. Um, or you could switch it and say, okay, we are now in whatever full length mode and, and just keep going like that. Nicole, you're a, you wrote a book on Canon. I did on the seven D on the seven D. So I definitely want to hear your opinion on this. Did I hit it on the head or am I missing something with this? I don't, you know, I read through it and it's, I don't really understand it. (laughs) The, uh, (laughs) it it seems like it has some barcode thing. So you can say, okay, these photos are for this client or this, you know, couple or this person. Uh, and then it like wired, I don't know if I don't, I think they have a wired and a wireless. So that'd be like for the prom shooters, right? Where you have a a line of of prom kids coming in and you want to tie their, their picture to whatever record, right? Yeah. And I, I don't, I would personally never use this because I don't do that kind of photography. I could see it being really appealing, you know, for people who do But with the locking thing. I'm, I don't really, if that's how you explained it, that's really not much. Doesn't sound like it's it's that much different than the custom settings. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was like, can't you do that already i mean if yeah. you understand your camera you can configure you it to do all kinds of crazy stuff at the press of a button yeah like right? most of the canon uh dslrs i i don't know about the rebels and below but i know that the 7d 5d all those they have the c1 c2 and c3 settings where you can basically pre-program like a certain way of shooting like i have one that's specifically for hdr so if i'm going to go and shoot an hdr i go click it to c2 or whatever it is put it down and i'm ready to shoot i don't yep. even have to do anything mm-hmm. so Except for put think, my camera, turn it on and put it on a tripod. So I think the distinction here is that you can have an administrator um, that is setting this up and the photographers are not able to uh, mess with it. You know, so I think that this is, yeah, I think that that's what the distinction is here is that you can set up a bunch of different levels of how, much, how many you can set up. You can say basically you can't get to the menu, I think, or you can only get to a handful of menu items or you can get to more or you can get to more. And so the idea where this really becomes useful is if I'm at a, if I'm, hiring you know if i've got a bunch of people that are shooting let's say you know uh passport photos <laughs> i don't <laughs> want them changing the camera so i'm going to set the camera up the way it needs to be set up and then that's all they're going to do you know you know and and uh and so i can see that this would be very useful in that in that environment where the person who's shooting may not be super technical yeah um you know and so what you want is and and they invariably get confused about something so they think they're going to fix it and then they they fix the camera in a way that makes it not work for anybody else wouldn't that suck though you're the photographer and say say for some reason i wanted to go get a job and i i wanted to do that i know what i'm talking about and i'm like oh it's locked i can't change anything and i know it'd be better That's i know you it. you think you know you better but the problem is is for most of these companies being the same is what they need you know you know is 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 there there you know they need everything to work the same way you've tuned the camera to the lights and to the background and to everything else you know and it's it's even the little like you know the kmart place that you go to get your portraits of your kids you know um, you may want to have that you know everything's been tuned you know, I don't want you to do anything to it. I just want you to hit the button. You know, and, and, um, and I see it a lot like, um, you know, those, those things where you can get a picture of you. There's like a picture of you in front of the um, – uh, uh, at, at the Getty uh, or not, you know, whatever. Um, 
I can't think of it right now. Like a picture of you in front of a historic environment where they mm-hmm. have a green screen and they're yeah. taking, and someone takes a picture. They're paying that person like ten bucks an hour to do that, mm-hmm. you know. And so the thing is, is that they, you know, they just need you to pull the trigger and they don't need you to change anything. And you will think that you could do it better, and you'll start tr- changing it all over the place. And the problem is, they don't want varied results. They want it to be the same, you know. And and that's going to be the. I think that's why people will buy this, and that's why they pay more for it. I wonder. So think- I wonder if there's there are enough professional school and event photographers, or if, if that market is big enough to that market is massive to massive. i know the market for the the customer market is gigantic but the photographer market to to warrant a brand new body from canon uh I mean, that that market did i tell you that whole part about that market being massive uh <laughs> no but, but it it, is, is it massive <laughs> it is i we, we have a pixel member um who we, we're gonna have to have on the show actually uh and he is uh he does he works in that market and it's just this um, there, that is a uh, you know if you think that wedding photography is a big deal, <laughs> as far as like people making money doing stuff like that, mm-hmm. there is just there's football teams and baseball teams and lacrosse teams, and then there's the the actual portrait photography, and then there's all these other th- you know, and there's and they're all you know, and and but but the the bread and butter of almost all of these things is being able to be predictable, being able to shoot things over and over and over again because you're not dealing with a handful of artistic photos of the bride and groom. You're, you're, you're dealing with 600 people, you know, 600 photos. And, 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 you know, and you just have to think about the hundreds of thousands of kids that are in school at any, any one point in time. Um, you know, it's a market that we don't pay much attention to on the show uh, to the detriment, I think, of some of our listeners because when they're looking at, like, where could I get work? Now, it may not be the most creative work, but if you're doing that during the day, during that day, and it pays for lots of gear, <laughs> you know, you can you can be building the other the other part of your business up. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some people, you know, it's just a good business, you know. And uh, um, and I think that that, but but the big thing with all of that is rely reliability, predictability. You know, same thing goes in, same thing goes out. You you have, you know you have to take 800 photos for a school, and they all have to look like they fit next to each other. Right. Yeah. I would I'd put a call out to the uh, to the you know, this week in photo audience too. If there are event photographers and professional school and event photographers listening to this, please comment in the forums and, uh, you know, yeah. let us know about your market and how big it is. And if this camera in particular would help make your life easier, I'm curious to hear about that. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm curious to see how many, uh, smaller, you know, maybe one or two man units do it as opposed to like really big companies, you know, that are not, well, that, you know, if they probably already are established with their gear and everything. So yep. what's funny is, is that a lot of these companies aren't that big. A lot of the ones that I've talked to are, are, are literally no more than five people that are doing all these shoots. Do you shooting. think that that would warrant one of these locking studio version DSLRs? You think well, I, I think that what's happening, though, is that a lot of this is changing because of the DSLRs. You know, these guys, a lot of these folks have been doing this in film for a long time. And they're still doing it in film. And there's a handful of people that are starting to move it to digital, you know, move it past the, you know, the, 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 the comfortable nature that it has been in. Um, and, I, and a lot of these, because the, this is still kind of an industry that's pretty old and not, you know, it's been driven largely by a lot of uh, relationships. So yeah. it's not necessarily the most efficient, uh, cost-effective way for schools to do it. It's just the way that they know. There's a guy who, who's been coming to the school for 20 years to take pictures of the kids, and then they know how much it costs, and they can put it in the, in the you know, bottom line, and it looks the way it looks, and it's acceptable, and, and that's one thing, less thing they have to worry about. Yeah. But I think some schools now, especially under the price pressures that they have, um, you know, uh, are looking at it, and some of the more tech guys that are at the school are going, you know, I bet you we don't need to be shooting this on film anymore. Why is he still using film? You know, you know, you know that, that kind of thing. You know, and so I think that there is a there, and and you know this this, this market and, and a lot of these markets. I mean, this is it's it's just one of those big unknown. You know, corporate 
type things like this, you know, you don't think about it until you think about the fact that there are these types of cameras in, you know, all over the world. You know, I, when I had to get a passport photo in Zimbabwe, I walked into Strecken's in Harare, and they had a Canon, you know, hooked up to a computer, and they, you know, it was all wired up, and they took a picture, and it was, you know, it, it you know, it was exactly this model. This is exactly what they would need. Mm. All right. Well, yeah. we'll have to wait and see. We'll wait for those comments to roll into the forums so they can. I'm being I'm being the real argumentative guy today. <laughs> I like that you're playing yeah. you're playing the role of Ron Brinkman today. I like yes. It. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, let's continue this because I have some questions on this next story, too. It's about Nikon unveiling two new Coolpix digital cameras, the S1100PJ and the S5100. So, you know, they're, they're basically, I think the, the top line uh, new features in the, the S5100 is got a, a 5X optical zoom lens on it. It's got image stabilization, um, a 2.7-inch LCD, and it shoots 720p, which is interesting for a little tiny camera like that a point and shoot camera and it's only 180 bucks which is really interesting um but that's the first camera the second one that i wanted to talk about is there is the uh the s1100 pj and the pj stands for projector um so i want to talk about that one secondly so first off let's talk about that first one nicole um point and shoot cameras in general nikon canon olympus whoever are you still carrying a point and shoot around at all yeah, it's called my iPhone. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I don't, I don't really, you know, I have one. I don't like it. I've had it forever. And I, I there's a part of me that kind of wants to upgrade. It's a Nikon and I'm, I'm not like a snob when it comes to, you know, I shoot Canon, but I, I don't care when it comes to point and shoots. But I don't really want to spend any money on a point and shoot because like, I just went on a trip last week. I went out to like Disneyland and Universal and all that stuff in California. And I didn't even bring a camera. I brought my iPhone and it was my point and shoot. It shoots video really, really well. And I don't know. It's like these cameras, they look really cool, but I don't know if I'd want to spend, you know, $350 on a, yeah, another little totally. camera. So Alex, so. Alex Lindsay is, is it time for the point and shoot to die? Well, you know, I think that it's a, it's an interesting time for the point and shoot. I think for the average all in one, uh, doesn't do anything special point and shoot. I think that the days of its, you know, existence are kind of over. I know for me, I'm a little bit in between where I have I have lots of point and shoots um, sitting in my office right now, and uh, but the reason that I have them is generally is that I have my iPhone, which is the thing that I carry around. I take pictures and I do visual notes and I take pictures of my kids when we're at the beach and we do all this other stuff. Uh, and then I have my Canons, you know, the 7D or the 5D that I shoot on, and the so so I have these two end caps, and that's where 90% of my photography is going, but. What's interesting is, is now when I look at the in-between, I used to try to find the camera that could do everything. And now what I've kind of done is I've, I, I specialize. You know? So I, have, I think that people might buy these point-and-shoots if they do something special. So, for instance, I'm getting a Casio, you know, the little Casio that shoots 1,000 frames a second. Um, because I need, I need something that I can – so we're, we're working on some movies that uh, – working on a short film that requires slow motion. I don't want to rent a Phantom, but I do want to previs what that slow motion would look like in the edit. So even though it's going to be soft and blown up from this weird format that it shoots in, it's going to let people see. Then these guys are going to throw this TV and it's going to go really slow, you know, you know, and, mm-hmm. and then hit the ground. And, and so I can put that into the edit. And so I, so I got this one camera that just a special, you know, uh, uh, this one special thing. And then I have another uh, – I got another Casio. Uh, it's surprising that they can't get these together, together but that is rugged. You know, you can put five, five, um, you know, five feet underwater, get sand on it. You know, and, and a couple of people make them. I mean, Panasonic makes one, and and but the idea is a rugged camera that I can take to the beach, 
and mm-hmm. I don't I could go into the water with it. You know, like I I don't yeah. have to think about it at all. And and this is like because the problem I noticed is is that I was not playing with my son in the way that I wanted to at the beach. You know, like you know with the sand and everything else because I had a camera and I was constantly worried about my camera. So I, I was like I have to get something that's hardened that I just that is built for this so that I don't have to think about this anymore. And then. And then I have a bunch of these little Ricos because they do interval. They just do time lapse. That's all, the only reason. So those I need are, it. it seems like those are everything that you mentioned is a, is a niche case, right? It's a you know right. every now and then I'm going to need this. And when I look at the market overall, when it, you know from my consumer standpoint and looking at the numbers in the news, I see these. It's like you know this massive school of sardines of people that are buying iPhones and smartphones and Android and all this stuff, right? So you, all these people with these highly capable phones that are with them all the time. Um, are those no, I think, are I think those that, people think, the, that school of folks? I mean, are yeah. is there an intersection for those folks to say, okay, now you know, but my, I think that, my Android twelve mega whatever megapixel camera is not good enough. I'm going to grab my point and shoot. Well, I think that the issue is is that what what I'm trying to point to is is that I do think that there is a, a, a market for a point and shoot camera if it's a specialty camera if it's fulfilling a niche mm-hmm. in the market. There is not. I think that the market for a camera that just shoots images that's cheap, that, that market's probably going away, okay. you know, unless it's going to be 50 bucks or, or whatever. You know, a cheap camera that is almost a disposable camera, yeah. maybe. But the, but, the, but the camera, a generalist camera like the, to me, like the 1100, you know, is a, um, the one without the projector, or the 5100, 50, is, is just a general camera. It's cheap. Yeah, sure, it does 720, but at the same price, I can have an iPhone. You know, I mean, yeah. I could buy an iPhone, you know, right. and, 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 and do that. The, um, it's a little different with the Coolpix with the projector because the projector's kind of cool. Yeah, so, so let's jump to that. So the, the Coolpix S1100PJ, uh, 14 megapixels, it's got a, a projector on it that will project a 47-inch picture up to seven feet away. Now, you know, I'm looking at this. I'm like, yeah, I'd like to play with that for a minute. But you know, as I w- as I sort of mentally walk through my my week, I don't see a point where I'd want to do that. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out when I would use it. You know, yeah. it's like, is it is it bright enough to be standing in a fully lit room and show v- a video that you just did yeah. on a, a, a white wall, or are you gonna have to dim the lights and all that stuff? Because you know, if you have to do all that, then it's like, well, I don't think people will use it that much. I, I'm real curious about it. I think it looks really interesting. It definitely caught my attention. I you. saw people tw- twittering about it last night. And I was like, that's kind of neat looking. But then again, you know, I just spent t- I when I bought I bought the iPhone four, I spent two hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and all I was really doing is upgrading my camera, my point and shoot. Yeah. And this is three hundred fifty dollars. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I. Well, that, but there's so. one person on the planet that would that would be contrarian and want to use that. He's the the, the other male voice on the show right now, and that's Alex. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, I, 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 the way I looked at it wasn't so much that I would put stuff on. That I mean, I wouldn't just show stuff I just shot. I, I saw it as something I could put images onto my camera <laughs> that I would want to, you know, I could do little presentations with it, you know, you know, and 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 I could shoot a bunch of stuff and then select them into a folder and. And show stuff that we just, you know, that we just did. But would I you do think it's a- like, a bit, like think through your your month? You know, an average an average month in the life of Alex Lindsay. Well, I, where would this my, slot in? It it my kids love to look at the look at the pictures I just took of them. Okay, you know, and they all crowd around my camera and look at this tiny little screen. <laughs> And I could definitely see them being – my kids – I think that the first person who takes this and takes it shoots a bunch of pictures of their kids at a birthday party. And then at the end of the birthday party, projects it on the wall from the camera. 
you know, rather than trying to get it onto the computer and import it and, and how, you know, because we don't, a lot of us don't have projectors at home. And, and the kid, you know, that's kind of a, a real kid pleaser, I, I have to say. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd use it in a serious way, but I think kids would go crazy over that, you know, at the end of a, at the end of some kind of birthday party or some kind of get together or just, you know, whatever, do it playing around and then you take pictures and then show it to them. Um, and, and that process is really important when you're taking pictures of kids because my kids, are very good about having pictures taken of them because I show them the photos all the time mm-hmm. while I'm shooting them. And so they get what I'm doing, and then they, and I have to make, make them a little bit of a ham because they know, they know what's going to happen next, you know, is they're going to get to see themselves. And so they play up to the camera, but it makes it much easier to get fun pictures. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it kind of, it's, and maybe this is just kind of me reading into things, but when cameras come in colors like lime green and purple, <laughs> I'm guessing they're probably aiming towards different, yeah, k- kids or... Moms or mm, yeah, whatever, and so. this one is definitely you know purple. grape purple. You know? <laughs> Very interesting. Exactly. All right, guys, let's jump into the uh, the listener Q and A here. Um, every week, our producers scour the forums, as you guys know, at thisweekinphoto.com forward slash forums or forum, uh, and they find the best questions for us to answer on the show. And this week's questions, there's a, there's a couple of them. The first one is from uh, Traven Binner. Um, he's in Toronto, Ontario, and he says, um, "He says I would like to take some candid portrait shots with my Nikon D40 without any flash for a wedding of two friends in October. Which lens for a crop sensor would be more appropriate? Um, the the Nikon 35mm 1.8 DX or the 50mm 1.4 G?" Um, and he goes on to ask some other questions. So I'm going to throw this to you first, Alex. Um, the first thing that jumped out at me was. He wants to shoot with the Nikon D forty with with no flash at a wedding. Now, you want what would you what would you suggest to uh, to our friend here? Well, it's it's going to be in inside. That's going to be challenging. Um, you're going to be running a pretty high ISO. So inside, especially if it's in the evening, if it's during the day, you'll be okay. If it's in the evening, you're going to be looking at probably ISO sixteen hundred uh, minimum. You know, to get to get the the kind of light that you're looking for, and it's going to get a little grainy on the D forty. So I think that's going to be the challenge that you have. Shooting without a flash, uh, the um, you're going to want to have the fastest lens that you can have, and, and the real question here is the the one eight and versus the one four uh, as far as getting uh, how fast the lens. In general, I would say that I would want the fastest lens that I could get, especially if I'm not going to use um, any anything else. the The challenge is is that you know it does feel a little like a like a portrait camera when you when you have the 50 millimeter on a crop sensor. Mm-hmm. So um, so it's a little longer. Uh, you have to get back a little bit further to get everybody in the in the shot. Yeah. Um, but I think I'd probably lean towards the the 1.4 because I think you're going to want as much light as you can get indoor um, if you're not going to be using a flash. Yeah, Nicole, what what would you fall on that? It, my, where I just just for the record, where I was leading you, Alex, and then we didn't actually get there, was that I would be hesitant to shoot with a camera that doesn't have one of the you know a, a body that can't handle the high ISOs with no you flash know, at a wedding, you know, because you know, it's shot- you're going to be in varied situations and. I don't know. Are you, are you I, don't, I don't think this person's the, the wedding photographer. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that they're just taking photos there. So they're, okay. just, they're, yeah. in, the, they're in the That's wedding. True. Party. So they're, they're grabbing some stuff there. I, and if, if I was the wedding photographer, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make that. Well, you wouldn't be asking us, should I use a 35 or a 450? <laughs> you know, hopefully. If, if you are, you're the wrong wedding photographer for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. but, if the, uh, but I think that as someone grabbing some shots, uh, you, know, I, you know, I used to shoot a lot with my, with my, uh, my Canon you know, 40D, which probably doesn't have any better low light than the D40. 
Um, and so, uh, you know, in, in, in 1600 ISO, it'll be just a little grainy. And some people like that look, you know, and it's, it's fine. Um, so I think you can get away with it. I just think that you just have to – you're going you're gonna to be opened up all the time. The big problem you're going to have is if you get within about three or four feet, your, your depth of field, when it's wide open, you just have to remember that your depth of field is like an inch, you know, or yeah. two inches. And so the, the problem that you get in there is that you'll, one eye will be in focus and the rest of them will be out of focus. And some people like that look. The main thing is is that when you do that, you have to worry a lot about um, when people when you're taking two people together and you're close to them, you need to make sure that they're in the same plane from the camera, that they're not at an angle. If you're shooting wide open, uh, so this took me, you know, it, it, you just you just keep in the same angle. And something that uh, Joseph had had mentioned before is move that focus point over to one of them, mm-hmm. and then keep them in the same plane, and then they'll both be sharp. Their faces will both be sharp, and everything else around them. If you with the, that short of a depth of field, if you turn the camera and focus on them and turn back, you're actually going to be out of focus. They're yeah. going to be a little soft. And because, you know, that's like basic geometry, <laughs> you know, the hypotenuse mm-hmm. will, will change, you know, in, in length. The, um, but the other thing is, is that the, um, uh, is if a lot of times someone's standing right behind someone or there's a little bit of an angle to you, and that's when you're going to get the back person out of focus, which is kind of a bummer when you're taking those. And so it's not something that you can't handle. It's just something that if you're going to be wide open trying to shoot the stuff that you're going to have to keep in the back of your mind. Yeah. All right. Well, good. All right. Since you're on a roll, Alex, let's, I'm going to throw a question two to you because you're the, you're the traveling man of the bunch here anyway. Okay. Go for it. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. I was curious what camera bags the hosts use when they travel abroad. I'm currently looking for a backpack capable of holding my Canon XSI uh, and a Tamron 17-50VC, to 70-200, and a 13-inch laptop. What would you suggest? I saw on a video that Ron, Ron and his Kata sensitivity <laughs> bag. Um, that, so is, that is And that is my top choice at the moment. Uh, I am... Yeah. <laughs> He's very sensitive. He's just so uh, sensitive. Yes. Uh, I, I, I am just not sure whether it would hold my uh, 7200 vertically uh, in the bottom. Uh, I don't use the same one. I use a DR467. And um, I think they still make one or they make one very similar to it. Um, and this one has – it's got a laptop compartment. I can put um, a 17, up to a 17-inch laptop in the back. Uh, I actually uh, – regularly have a laptop and an iPad in the, in the app, iPad one and occasionally have a 17 and a 13 inch in that slot. <laughs> so, wow. so the, um, so it, it'll hold a lot. Um, and then, and then I have, um, the bottom compartment, I typically will have a, um, my Canon, uh, with a 50 millimeter on it with a 70 to 200 as well as an eight millimeter and sometimes a 24 to 70. And that's all packed into that bottom area. Um, and then, uh, and then, in the, then there's a front area that I use to handle like my little cables that I need for my computers. There's like a little middle area that I put my food in, which is very important. I, people make fun of me that I, I suddenly just start pulling out these little energy bars, but I'll tell you on a production, it's a big deal. Oh, yeah. And then, and then there's a big cavity in the center which I then have a couple of Eagle Creek bags that hold the uh, extra stuff that I have. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's just the, I don't know whether I've conformed to the bag or the bag was just right for me, but it just, it's just like the perfect little backpack, you know, and I, and it, it's well, what's got, the, what's the brand of that one again? And the model it's Kata, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a DR four sixty seven, and okay. I've, and I've had it on four continents and, um, and it's, you know, so it's continent tested nice. and it's been, it's been and it's been just about every element that, that you know that you can put it in and um, and I just uh, I love it. It's customs tested as well, right? <laughs> it's customs tested, <laughs> and and, it, and it, it will fit under the seat in front of you. 
Nice. Very good. All right. Uh, let's move on to question number three. Um, Nicole, you want to take this one? Sure. This is from Lee Adcock from Yorkshire, UK. He says, after 18 months of occasional attempts to have some of my images accepted onto stock agency websites, I finally have five accepted onto Alamy. Uh, to say I'm pleased is a massive understatement, but now I have a dilemma. These images are also on Flickr as low-res images, uh, about 900, I'm assuming 900 pixels wide, as what he kind of said there. My question is, now that these are for sale on Alamy, should I remove them from Flickr or should I use Flickr as a tool to market and sell the images through Alamy? I would love to know what you think. All right, well, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I'm a stock photographer for iStock, which is microstock. It's a little bit different than, uh, than Alamy, which is rights managed. But I would say you have to be really careful with what you do. Well, on both ends. I don't, I don't know what Alamy's guidelines are. They may ha- have something that says you can't post your photos other, on other sites. You know, obviously you probably couldn't sell them on other sites. Um, but when, as far as Flickr is concerned, they have a nice little section under the help called community guidelines. And I would definitely take a look at that because they have a whole what not to do section. And right under there, one of their bullet points points is don't use Flickr for commercial purposes. So I'm a stock photographer, so I do put photos on Flickr, but I mostly do it just for sharing. I might mention they're on iStock or they're, you know, it's a stock photo shoot, but I usually don't link to it or say, here's where you can buy it. because you have to be real careful because Flickr is kind of known for just <laughs> deleting people's accounts when they find infringements. So mm-hmm. uh, just I would say just just check with both guidelines on both sides of the fence and make sure that they don't conflict with each other. Very good. Alice, you have anything to add to that? No, I don't know. She's, she's the expert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cool. So I don't think I'll ever hear you say that again, Alex. He says it all the time. He says it all the time. All right. And, and to the listeners, if you want to, you know, submit your question for us to answer, we've got an area on the site. Just head over there and uh, and post your question, and we may answer it just like we did just now. Well, and it's it's very in, in general. People need to know where we you know we've got this great new site, thisweekinphoto.com. dot com, mm-hmm. and and uh, Fred uh, did a great job putting it together. And we're spending a lot of time looking at those forums. There's a lot of people up there, yeah, and. And that's really driving a lot of the content on the, on the show now. And you're going to see it drive more and more. So definitely, if you haven't yet gone up there, definitely go to thisweekinphoto.com. Get your, you know, join. It doesn't cost you anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just get up there, you know, um, get into the forums. Let us know what you think of the show. Give us ideas of what you want us to cover more of. We're really paying a lot of attention to that. So um, definitely check it out and we'll see you up there. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Let's move on to the picks of the week. Um, and we know what this means. So... Let's go with, with Nicole first. Nicole, you have a pick? Ready. Yeah, my pick this week is Scan Cafe. Uh, it's a website. Well, it's a, it's a company where you can send your photos to, your, your slides, your negatives, your actual printed photos, and they will digitize them. And I recently did, I just kind of did like a trial run, and I haven't received them. They're, they're on UPS on their way to my house, but um, I will say that the entire process was really, really simple. Uh, I packed my negatives and just like, you know, I just mailed off my negatives to them. Um, they send you a thing saying, hey, we got your photos and here's the status of where they're at. Once they get them scanned, they let you look through them. You can 
pick if you don't want some to be scanned. You can say, I want, you know, to keep these. I don't want to keep these. And then, and then they put them on a DVD and mail them back to you. And, and it was just, uh, I, I have heard really good things about them from other people. And I've always been wanting to try them. And I have a ton of negatives from when I was, mostly when I was in high school and I was doing all sorts of shooting for my yearbook and stuff. And I've always wanted to get them scanned and put them on computer so I can have kind of a nice backup of them. But, I think the reason that I, I'm recommending them right now is because the process was just so simple. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times for most people, it's convenience or simplicity. And if you want your negative scanned, and it's a pretty good price, too, I will say that. I, I don't know exactly, you know, all their, they have different pricing points for if you want, like, more like a professional uh, scan, a high-res scan, which I did go with. Um, but And I, I'm planning on kind of doing a little blog post about it, too, in my experience and probably, you know, maybe a month or so when I get all my photos back. But scancafe.com. Check them out. They're really awesome. Yeah, I'd have to echo that. And I remember a while back, uh, Scott Bourne actually turned me on to Scan Cafe. I know he was, he mm-hmm. was using them for a lot of things. And um, yeah, the, the service is, is really, really good. The one thing that I wish that I had with Scan Cafe is, Nicole, you mentioned the flow of, you know, you send your, they send you the packaging, you send it back to them. Um, with with your negatives and they or or transparencies or prints or whatever and they'll they'll scan everything in um but i wanted to stop at the scan point and not have to wait for the the optical media for example i wanted to send them a bunch of stuff and then have them do their high you know their high-end digitizing of all my stuff and say okay it's online you know and you can go pick and choose from the ones that you want and download it directly from there. I didn't want to have to like, okay, now I see it and it's teasing me and I can't do anything <laughs> with the images that are online. I have to wait for the disc to come. So that was the only piece that, uh, that held me back from using them more. But yeah, you're, you're right. They're a really good service. I'm thinking of actually yeah, doing everything that way. Uh, you know, you, a lot of times you end up with having a, um, you know, all these family photos that, you know, the old family photos, it's a little scary to send them away. <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, right? But but the the result, if you don't send them away, is that they're getting old and they're getting stuff spilled on them and they're getting you know they're getting packed up and they're slowly fading away. And so there's that kind of you know, do you want to you know you take a risk now or take a risk that it's just not going to make it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Very true. All right, Alex, what's your uh, what's your pick? I have I bought a new toy. Uh oh. Surprise! <laughs> surprise. <laughs> so, so I got a I got a. Uh, a Fuji, you know, I've talked about this in the past. I got a Fuji 3D camera, which which is really fun. I have a lot of fun with it, and I, I already, I think I already chose that as a as a pick of the week, and um, it's 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 fun. Uh, but I, you know, it it I, I wanted, I, I saw something else that's a little less expensive, um, and it gave me the opportunity to possibly shoot some movies in uh, in 3D, and so um, so I got this toy and i'm still getting to use it. i'm gonna hopefully get a blog post up to this weekend photo this is the one i'm working on fred by the way okay. Frederick, I, just, I just haven't gotten it i haven't gotten all the samples done yet awesome. so so anyway what it is is it's called a, a lorio have you seen this the 3d 9005 mm-hmm. or something like that and so what that. this is this is so funny it's a it's a pair of of lenses um that uh that are that just screw onto your 7d and gives you uh stereo you know, so like when you take a picture, it just gives you the, you know, the old little 3D viewers that you'd have two images on the same image and you just kind of put your eye up to them yeah. and you see the 3D. Well, that's what this does. And it, so it just takes a single photo. It's, it's, it's a pretty low tech, you know, solution, um, but it pops right in onto your, um, to your, uh, you know, and, and it's not, you know, it's not very expensive. It's also not made of metal. It's just like a little piece of plastic. Um, and it, it's a little dark. It's like F11 um, or you can turn it up to 16 to 22 but but the um 
as far as the the aperture. So it's not, you know, you're not going to use it indoor uh, very often, and it's pretty low tech. But it shoots these little stereo images, and what I'm working on right now is now if you have one of the little viewers, you can actually look at it. And it looks in th- it looks like a 3D, and it's kind of cool, uh, and it works really well. If you just kind of relax your eyes, it'll just pop in. Now, what I'm working on, of course, is something a little more complicated, which is to take that image and then in real time refuse it back to a you know a, an anaglyph that I can use in a in a movie. And we're using some of Conduit, which is our software, to kind of pull that all back together. And I haven't gotten it quite done yet. But um, but it's a cool little uh, you know apparatus if you want to keep on playing with 3D. You don't want to spend six hundred dollars. I think it's like one hundred fifty dollars or. And where what's what is it called again? What's the name of it? It's called the Loreo uh, 3D lens in a cap, um, and uh, you can find it on Amazon. Um, uh, let's see, it is on Amazon somewhere, um, and uh, but it's like you know basically it shoots essentially a ViewMaster. You know the ViewMaster photos? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, that's essentially what it's, you know, for those of you. Oh, older, now I understand. Awesome. See, that's all you had to say in the beginning. Was this <laughs> it's a ViewMaster. I, I kept on trying to say, I kept on trying to say, you know, it's round for kids, you know. So, so all the, you had to uh, say was a ViewMaster. That's it. That's what I want. Yeah, yeah. So it shoots pictures for a ViewMaster, you know, and, and you can get a ViewMaster for it. And, and it's just, again, it's just tons of fun with 3D, you know, and we're, I am always looking for just ideas of how to play with 3D. And so this is just another way to, uh, to do that, and, and so, what, what does it cost? Uh, I, I was looking for it. Um, I'm pretty sure it's about 179 dollars. Okay. Not I too think. bad then. So it's serious. It's not a little piece of plastic. It's a uh, no, it's no, no. It's it, well, it's yeah. I mean, for for you know, it's it's not for. But the thing is, is that there's no other 3D cameras out there. So the thing is, if you feel like you know, if you've got a 7D, um, and uh, um, you know, the thing is, is that if you want to. Uh, play with the idea, but you don't want to spend six hundred dollars on something bigger for one hundred seventy-five bucks. You and, and they make them, by the way, not just they make them for the Nikon and Fuji cameras, Olympus cameras, Konica, Minolta, and Sony cameras. So they have different ones that fit onto any of these cameras, and so you can pop them on and uh, and just and shoot stereo without a stereo camera. So while it may seem expensive, it's actually cheaper than all the other alternatives out there to shoot three D. Very cool. That's so cool. Now I want to buy one. I know. Uh, I know. I want one now. <laughs> now that I know it's a Viewmaster. <laughs> I know. You gotta. Oh, cool looking. But cool. You can just imagine, you know, if you get people Viewmasters again, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a, it's a crowd please. Do they even still make Viewmasters? Is that, are they still, like, can you go to Toys R Us and pick one of those up, I wonder? Well, the Rayo makes the, the, a viewer for it. I don't know if it's called a Viewmaster, um, but the, uh, but they definitely, yeah, they make Viewmasters, um, and I don't know how you would use it exactly, I don't know how you'd print a Viewmaster with this, but, but Loreo makes a, one that you can kind of print out, I mean, or that you can, um, uh, they actually make a viewer for the images. That'd be a great service. Can you imagine shooting a wedding or something and and doing a series of like the engagement shots in in like three D Viewmaster style and giving the bride and groom an actual Viewmaster with a disc? You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? They they have already shot the first three D uh, vi- uh, video three uh, D video of a wedding in Australia. Oh, really? So yeah. they, it has has it has begun. All right. The converse, the conversion has begun. Yep. All right. My pick, um, I'm actually going to be in Addison, Texas next week, the 27th through the 29th, at a little event called Open Camp, doing, doing a talk there um, with Callie Lewis and a, a bunch of other folks. Um, but one of the cool things that we get to do while we're there is we will be jumping out of a plane <laughs> with the u.s army's golden knights <laughs> so on the 27th the morning of the 27th i'm jumping out of a plane and callie lewis 
from uh, you know, you just Google Callie Lewis, you'll be able to yeah, find just, her. Yeah, it's Callie Lewis from Callie Lewis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> CallieLewis.me, I think, is her blog. But she's, uh, you know, she's going to be jumping as well. Both is our our first time, um, and she's actually going to. She said she's going to conduct the first live interview in the air while she's, you know, while she's falling towards the earth. <laughs> So, I want to see how that happens. I'm not going to be doing that. I may be shooting some pictures, but I'm not going to be trying to concentrate on asking the next question while the ground is fast approaching. Get, so. get one of those GoPros and record the whole thing for us. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Definitely got to catch this. This is my first time. Hopefully, it won't be my last time. And make sure yeah. your will is up to date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Nicole. I appreciate that. I I leave all my Nikon stuff to Nicole. There you go. Watch eBay in a few weeks. Hey, yeah, I want totally. I want the Canon stuff. You can have it. It's just a 10D, but you know. never mind. Cool. So that is my pick. If you want to check that out, go to. We'll put the link in the show notes for this post or for the show. Uh, but it said Open Camp, and that's spelled O P N C A dot M P. So the M P is the domain. So Open C A dot M P. Um, and that'll take you right to the front page and tell you all about it and you'll see what my talk's about and all that good stuff. So please do check it out. And if you're anywhere near Dallas or Addison, Texas, uh, stop on by and say hello. All right. Um, it's time for the photo missions. This is the exciting part of the show. Uh, this is where we get to challenge you, the listeners, to challenge yourself photographically. And each, each week, with along, along with being recognized on the show, we sometimes even award fabulous prizes. And this week's winner was picked by Nicole Young. Nicole, Yay. who's the winner? Uh, Tom, I uh, hope I don't pronounce this wrong, Rothenberg, Rothenberg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he created this really awesome photo with, a, a, I think, a Spider-Man character, the thing with all the tentacles and stuff. And I just thought it was a really cool image. It caught my eye right away. So Yeah, that's very cool. Yep. Tom, was it Tom R. Photo on Twitter? Yep, from Virginia. So, so congrats, you, Tom. Yeah, congrats. Um, we'll we'll get your prize out to you this week, um, hopefully. And if you want to, if the other listeners, if you want to participate in this, you know, please be sure to check out the uh, the forum area. There's a photography missions area. It's really simple. You just like Alex was saying earlier, just sign up for the forums, and you know, it's got the tools right there. You upload your image right into right in line with your post. Um, and folks can check it out and you can see who's submitting what and, you know, listen to the show and you'll see if you want or not. But the next mission is coming up. Could be yours. I feel like we have to have music. I know. Bum, like a little drum roll. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> yeah, let me go with my voice. This next mission could be yours should you choose to accept it. It's titled Annoying. Oh, and before I, before I go on with that. So, yeah, Annoying is the title of this week's mission. And it's but, not just what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not just the sounds you hear in the background. Um, but, you know, Nicole, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Yes. So the, since I started, since we started doing these photo missions, I've been picking these themes, right? And all of them has started with the letter D. And I was, I was basically saying, who's going to, you know, who's going to recognize, I want to see what the first person is, who the first person is to recognize that there's a theme here, this D theme. There was like no, no thinking behind it. It's just random, you know, and Nicole is the first person. So Nicole, you should get a prize for that. Cause you're the, yesterday yeah, I, I you sent an email. Like, you're like, is there something thought, I'm missing here? Yeah. I thought I missed the memo. And I was like, is there a reason it's all D's? What's <laughs> going on? So yeah, it was all D's. And now I have to switch it to something else. It's not going to be A's. <laughs> so. All right, so this week's mission is titled Annoying, 
And if you like the full details on this one, um, head over to the photography missions area in the TWIP forums. Um, and this week's theme, the annoying theme, was selected using the cool iPhone app, PhotoWalk Ideas. It's available on iTunes. All right, guys, um, we're at the end of the show. Nicole, where are you online? You can find me on Twitter. My Twitter name is Nicolesy. That's N-I-C-O-L-E-S-Y. And on my blog, NicolesyBlog.com. Very cool. And Mr. Lindsay, where are you at online? You can find me on the Twitters. Um, it is uh, Alex Lindsay, all one word. Very cool. And to keep up with everything in the TWIP universe, head over to thisweekinphoto.com. There you'll find links to our Facebook fan page, our Twitter account, and more. And if you're looking for me, Frederick Van Johnson, you can check out my blog at frederickvan.com or follow me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash frederickvan. And with that, it is time to take that lens cap off. Bandwidth for TWIP is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com and Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash TWIP and Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial and 10% off your new account, go to Squarespace.com forward slash TWIP. This Week in Photo is also supported by the TWIP podcast app for the iPhone and iPod Touch. It's available on iTunes. For more information, head over to thisweekinphoto.com. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn. With technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. The show's content contributor is Eric Horton.